Thank you so much. That goes so well with our thoughts this morning. Well, with the campaign, uh, I thought uh, the Lord was kind of speaking in my heart about trying to make the gospel clear and simple uh, in case we do have someone that doesn't know the Lord in our service on a Sunday morning. And uh, the Lord pressed upon me this sermon. And uh, I, I want to tell the saints, not because anything special about me or even this sermon in a sense, but it is, I believe, a great way of breaking down the gospel and being able to deliver it to someone you're trying to win to Christ. So I say that to encourage you, take some notes this morning, write down the key thoughts, and you might be able to take that, put them in a card, put them in your Bible, and you get the opportunity to sit at a table with someone, have a cup of coffee with them, perhaps after work or what have you, you could use this 
as a tool. And it's a very simple message. Matter of fact, I, I told the church, it was, I guess, a couple months ago, I was looking through in my records for some things. I, I do a lot of sermons and funerals and special days, and I keep all that in record. I write it all down, know what I preach and what series I'm in and how long ago I preached on this and that. And uh, I come across this sermon that I'm going to preach today. It's a redo, and I don't do that. I don't know the last time I did that. But the Lord put it on my heart back then to use it during the campaign. And some of you might remember, some of you won't. And, uh, but I think it'll help us all today. It's very simple. And the title of my message this morning is Don't Miss This. Don't Miss This. And we're going to read John 3.16. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, that's a great, great verse. Sometimes for Christians, though, we, we get used to it and we lose the power of it and the truth of it. And uh, today I want to take this verse and I want us to hear it, maybe with new, fresh eyes, read it with fresh eyes and hear it with fresh ears. That amazing verse of God so loved the world. So don't miss this. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach behind this pulpit this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the visitors that have come our way. We pray you'd encourage their heart. Those that are believers, we pray that you build them up in their faith. Those that know not Jesus, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to their heart and draw them to Christ. I, I pray, God, you be with the junior church and you be with the deaf church. Lord, let, we, let us see someone come to know Christ today. And Lord, I pray the saints would be helped in their soul winning efforts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For God so loved the world. This is a great verse. It's frequently used and seen in our society. Perhaps you've been at a sporting event and saw the, the sign John 3.16. A lot, of, a lot of public displays of John 3.16. Uh, the other day, matter of fact, yesterday, uh, I wanted to go for a walk. And, and I knew that Plymouth was having their, their fall harvest days. And so I went for a walk around Plymouth, and there were some street preachers down there, and I appreciated the way they were doing it. They weren't yelling and screaming at everybody. They had signs, and they were giving out gospel tracts and inviting people uh, to step aside and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I went to one of them, offered me a track, and I said, no, thank you. I'm saved. I thank you for what you're doing. And a big smile on her face, and uh, they had a sign, John 3:16. And you know, folks, this is a great verse, and we, we as believers, sometimes we take it for granted. John 3.16 is the gospel in a sentence, really. God makes it so clear and so simple. Our God wants all to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In John 3.16, we have 25 words, and they bridge the gulf between a loving God and a lost sinner. Its message and meaning is not hard to understand. God has made the gospel and its meaning simple to grasp. And he wants to apply it to each and every heart and each and every life. God wants man to see the truth of God 
in an easy way. We, the church, the witnesses, the representatives, the ambassadors, whatever we call ourselves, according to Scripture, we sometimes make it difficult. We are the ones that try to make people jump through this hoop and that one for them to really understand. Instead of just giving out the gospel and letting God, the Holy Spirit, do his job. And we can get to the point where we say, well, did they really believe? Hey, that's not our business. You talk about vacation Bible school and children. I'm glad for our teachers that are very careful in dealing with a young soul because they can get them to repeat a prayer. And they're very careful. And they said there were some that just didn't understand it. I'm glad for leadership like that. But I want to say that it is simple and it is easy that even children can comprehend it. Even children can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And what we need is a childlike faith to reach out and believe God's word. And such a verse as this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is a great truth. We make it difficult sometimes. But God has made it easy. God has made it simple. God has put it at the bottom shelf where everybody can reach out and receive it by faith. It has been cited that 75% of the Gospel of John is made up of words that are one syllable or four letters or less. Isn't that amazing? Then the Gospel of John, God has made it so simple. And what does he do this to show us that Christ can be believed on, that the Gospel can be received? In John chapter Chapter 3 and verse 16 are many great truths, many important truths. But we have to break it down so people will understand what God calls the good news. Folks, it's good news that Jesus Christ came. It's good news that he died on the cross of Calvary. It's good news that he shed his blood and that blood can wash away sin. It's good news that anybody and everybody can call upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior if they do it by faith. Simple faith. I want to say this morning something that we don't hear enough of and don't think enough of. God loves you. Do you hear me this morning? Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at. I don't know what you're going through today. But it's good for us to remember God loves you. Do you hear me? God loves you. God loves the world. And he wants them to say how much does God love us? Well, our verse makes it very clear. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, that word so is an interesting word. It emphasizes the great love of God. And this one word, this, this simple word of so is called a monosyllable. Very small. It's minute. And throughout the Gospel of John, there are many monosyllable uh, words used to give a great truth. And we're going to look at them today. And that's why I'm saying as a soul winner, you can write down these simple words that we're going to read in John 3.16. And you can use it to show someone their need of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. God takes this great truth and wraps it up in two letters. God wants us to understand and receive the gospel. And it's spelled out to us in easy, understandable words, terms 
and phrases throughout the entire Bible. But it's interesting, in this one verse, we get it. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. So here's my thoughts this morning. Here's my points, and you can count them down, and you can be glad to get out early and and get to dinner. I'll be glad to go to dinner with you, but anyway... Here it is. So, go, to, lo, ho, do, no. Sounds kind of Indian-ish, don't it? How? I'll tell you how. It's simple. Now stay with me. I promise you'll get this. Stay with me. First one. So. That's a small word. Very impactful. Very powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If God so loved the world, then why does he allow such a suffering and so much pain? I I don't have all the answers for that. But that's what people think. When you say, for God so loved the world, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. If God so loves me, then why this? And why that? You ever, you ever have that come back at you when you witness? Sure you have. But I want to say the answer is God's not to be blamed. God created man in the garden. And he, wanted to desire, he desired to have fellowship with man. And he desired to have harmony with man. But man sinned. And it caused all the pain and the suffering. Amen. Man's disobedience caused man to be placed outside of the garden. And outside of God's plan for them to fellowship with him. And now because of Adam and Eve and their sin, we live in a sin-cursed world. And that sin, according to Romans, has passed upon all men. Amen. Sin brought upon death and sickness and separation. Not God. People say, well, God allowed this and God allowed it. No, 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 no. It was Satan that tempted Eve in the garden. It was Adam and Eve that gave in to their temptations. It was not, it never was God's fault. Man chose. And today we have all the woes and wickedness of our society because of sin. God did not intend for mankind to live this way. God desires fellowship with his creation. Uh, There's a A lot of questions that may come to mind, but I want to kind of keep this simple. So another question I have today, how could such a God, here's what somebody say, loves such a world as this? That's my question. Why does God even mess with us? Us, sinners, ungodly, amen. So I'm a Christian. Yeah, remember when you weren't a Christian? Sometimes, every once in a while, we need to go back in our mind's eye, and we need to remember what we were outside of grace, And then we'd say, boy, oh boy, why did God even deal with me? Why would God even consider me? That's what David said when he said, thou art mindful. Why is God mindful of us? I'll tell you what, I'm still amazed that God ever saved somebody like me, but I'm glad he did through his son, Jesus Christ. And we live in a world that's getting worse and worse. It's waxing worse and worse, more wicked, more ungodly, more abominations all upon us all the time. But in love, our God made a way of forgiveness and reinstated fellowship. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ, that shed his blood and became the sacrifice for sin at Calvary. I'm glad of the songs that were sung this morning. Beautiful. 
So God came up with a plan for man's redemption. And here it is, simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is not mere sentiment. No, it's well thought. God orchestrated this divine act of salvation, and he came up with a simple way to explain it and to give it out. For God so loved the world that he gave. That small word, so, turned into a massive truth. So don't miss this. That so turned into a go. Now why? Listen to me. Not you. Jesus. He first said, go, my son, go into all the world. And Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, came down here, born of a woman. Amen? And he became flesh for us who knew no. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteous of God in him. God had a plan, and God's son said, I'll go. I'll go. God so loved the world. The heavenly father said, my son, go into this lost and dying world and redeem them back to me. And here's what Jesus said. He said, I will. And here's what I love about it. He did. He did. That brings me to the next word. Simple word. God so loved the world. But here's another word we find in scripture. Isaiah 6, 8 and says, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? We think of the word go as we talk about the gospel in church and evangelism, going to all the world and preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel to every creature. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. That's all great. But Jesus was the first to go. And so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But Jesus was willing to go. He, go, he went for us. This denotes something here. And, and I can't get into this for time, but it denotes a, a really important doctrine called the Holy Trinity. Who will go for us? Who's the us? It's the triune God. Amen. In Genesis 1.1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That word there in the Hebrew, I'm not trying to impress anybody, but it means Elohim, means plurity, plurity. A plural form of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, and God said, let us make man, and here's another one, our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, and so forth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him. I like this part too, and I can't preach on it this morning. We'll move on. Male and female created him. I wish the world would get that. I certainly do. But let's focus on the gospel here, and that's this. When God said, who will go for us? You're looking at the Godhead in agreement that man was worth saving. That Jesus said, it, it's worth going and leaving the Father to go to the earth, to the world, and win them unto myself. God the Father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son and Christ's mission was to win this lost world to himself. Look, if you would, at John chapter 3. You're in it already. Look, at, we read verse 16 again, but let's go on one more verse. Notice John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now watch the next verse. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, what's the last word? 
saved. Through Jesus Christ, Jesus volunteered in John chapter 9 and verse 39, and it said, and Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to the world that they might which see not might see. In John 10 10, the thief cometh not, but to uh, for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 12 47. For I came not into the world, I came not to judge the world, but to, but, uh, to save the world. In 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives this great verse. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that, Jesus, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So again, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. I'm going to tell you something else. He sent his only begotten son. The so turned into a go. And Jesus went to become our substitute. In John 20, 21, this is why Jesus can say to all of us that are saved, as my father hath sent me, so send I you. It's our responsibility. Isaiah 6 and verse 8, Then said I, Who will go for us? Who will go for us? But the answer was, Here am I, Lord. Send me. What an opportunity, but what a responsibility. I want to say to you today, you're born again, you're saved, I don't know how long. You say, Preacher, I've only been saved a few days. I've been saved a year. I've been saved 10 years. I've been saved 40. I've heard the gospel all my life. I got saved 60 plus years ago. Good then how often do you go and tell somebody? It's important. Oh, i got another monosyllable word for you to make it easy. Mark 16, 15. What's it say, preacher? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. T-O, that's a simple word. So where are we at now? We're so and we're go and now we're to. Simple words. We all to take the gospel Where? To every creature. Jesus said, go. And where was that going to be? God said for Jesus to go. And where did God send Jesus? He sent him to the world, to us. And so God is saying with that word, go to all the world, to all villages, all towns, all cities, all neighborhoods, to your family, to mine, to friends, to acquaintances, Everywhere and to anybody. All, and here it says, to the uttermost part of the world. He said he'd be with us as we do what God has told us to do. To the highways and the hedges and the byways. In other words, there's no place in this world that God has not sent us. No place, no prison that should not have the gospel preached to them. You know, people need the Lord. And if we're not careful, we'll start judging who, is, who's, who's, who should get it and who shouldn't. No. No, God so loved the world, all sinners. Uh, there's no place, there's no house that should not have its door knocked on. There's no hut in the middle of nowhere. There's no adult, there's no child, there's no person that should be exempt from hearing the gospel. That's what missions is all about. We can't go to all the world, but we support those that will go.
I want to encourage you, if you're not giving the missions, you ought to be. That's the commission. I can't go to Africa. I can't go to Europe. I can't go to Asia. But others can and have been called. But I can support them. I can pray for them. I can give a little money for them to be sustained while they're doing the gospel work. Shame on us if we give nothing to the gospel. Give nothing for missions. All men everywhere ought to hear this gospel, whether by ourselves or by supporting those willing to go. Amen. Acts 1.8, very simple. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is to the early church. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, where? Both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the earth. I'll give you another big word, a big little word, a big little word. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. We call, we call this the great commission of Jesus Christ. To us, the church. In Matthew chapter 28, and look at verse 18, a verse that probably most of you know. Maybe even some of you have it by memory. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and Jesus said, that's important now. Pastor Brown didn't say this. You're, whatever church you've been in, Whatever college you went to, whatever denomination you've been in. No, no, no. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, to him, in heaven and in earth. And here was Jesus said, Go ye, therefore. Because of that, you go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whether I have commanded you. And lo... I am with you always. See that little word? Lo. L-O. Interesting word. Lo, I am with you always. Here we have a promise from the Lord of his abiding presence when we go. That word, lo, I am with you, doesn't mean the Lord's with you for everything you want and nothing he wants. In the context, it's while we go and preach the gospel. And lo, I am with you always. Even at the end of the world, even at the end of the earth, I'll go with you anywhere, any corner, I'll be there. If you obey me and go. As we go into the world, the Lord promises to be with us, to accompany us. As we go, Jesus goes with us. We are not left alone. And that's part of the reason why many Christians will not witness. I'm serious now. That's one of the reasons why some of you will not take a gospel tract and hand it to somebody. Because you know what happens to all of us? I'm telling you, all of us, we get fearful. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want anybody to cuss us out. We don't want anybody to be mad at us. And so we don't do it. But Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. He's with you when when they throw it on the ground. He's with it when they tear it up and mock you. See, we're not to win them. We don't win anybody. Jesus Christ wins them to himself. The Holy Spirit does the work of convicting and convincing. You and I are to tell. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's up to us to tell. And he said, when you do that... Not when you go to the grocery store and you get a good deal on meat. Not when you go to the restaurant and say, oh boy, I'll tell you what, that's a good price today. I'm glad I came here. 
It's not when you go to the used car lot and say, boy, I sure got a good deal. I'm going to buy that car. No, lo, I am with you always when you're doing this. When you're delivering the gospel message. We want all that. We want his presence in our life when we want his presence in our life. And the Lord says, I'll never leave thee over second. That verse applies to all the other. But this context is when you go to where I told you to go and you give my gospel to who I told you to give that gospel to, I'm with you. And we are afraid of what people might think of us or say of us. Look, hey, you got Jesus. When I go knocking, I went out the other day. You know who my soul winning partner was? Jesus. You're not alone. Well, I went to hand out door hangers. You know who my, soul, who my door hanging partners were? Silas and Titus. And Jesus. Silas and Titus went on that side of the street. I went with Jesus on this side of the street. You know who's with those two little boys as they were hanging those things on the door to get people to the Sunday school campaign? Jesus. He said so. You get out your Bible and you try to explain the gospel to your family, which you should. And your friends, which you should. And your coworker, which you should. And your neighbors, which you should. Hey, he goes along with you. Lo, I am with you always. What's the word lo mean? Good question. It means behold. It means look. It means know this for sure. When you go, I'm with you. The Lord wants us to know that without a doubt that as we go to all the world and preach the gospel, he is with us. We are not alone on our travels. That's why our missionaries, listen, I feel bad for some of them where they go and what they put up with and what they have to endure. I want you to know when they go, the Lord is with them. And you wonder why one assembly is, is getting the job done more than another. Because I'll tell you what, that assembly is obeying the gospel and the Lord is with them. You ever notice in Revelation chapter 3, I, I think it's verse 20 or 21 or 22, he, he stands, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The Lord's knocking to get in what belongs to him, the church. We say, oh, the Lord's knocking on the door of people's hearts to be saved. That's a good application, but that's, that's not the whole truth of that verse. He's trying to get in his church. It's pushed him out. Amen. Church will not be the church Jesus Christ wants until we go and do what he's told us to do. And when we do, we have confidence that he's with us. Here's another simple word. Isaiah 51.1. Listen. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And God says, drink. That word ho is an interesting word. H-O. Ho. This word ho means to get attention. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the water. God is getting the attention of those he wants to speak to. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 20, For I am an ambassador in bonds, and, there, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled. You know, I had a big surprise this morning. I, I talked to my brother Mike earlier in the week, and I said, Mike, I, I need a favor of you. What do you want now? I said, well, I need two favors. Oh, what do you want? I said, well, 
Since I moved, I cannot find my golf clubs. You said, you told me that last night. Yeah, I borrowed your clubs. I said, next week's the golf tournament. He usually comes, but he can't because he had shoulder surgery, so he can't swing a club. I said, I need to borrow your clubs again. Okay. We'll get together. I said, I got a good idea. Goes with the second question. What's that? I said, we have a Sunday school campaign, Mike, and I'd like you to come to the Sunday school hour for my church, and I could get points for my team. I need you to do me a favor. He goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's how Browns talk. Oh, I don't know. He was talking to me on the phone, and his buddy Pat, who's worked with him for 40 years, he said, Pat! You want to go to my brother's church Sunday? Yeah, I'll go. I'd like to go. Well, that changed the whole thing. They came to Sunday school this morning, sat right next to me. They left because he knew I was going to preach next. He didn't want to be around there. I said, man, I, so I kind of, he said, yeah, we'll think about it. We'll talk about it. They're going to a biker thing, you know, and they had their bikes. They came in, blah, 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 blah. I was surprised. I was shocked. And I told him, I can't believe you're here. He said, well, you invited me. <laughs> Isn't that us? Isn't that us? But you know what it says here? Ho, oh, everyone that thirsts has come to the water. Hey, we need to go and say, hey, 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 come on. It's a pronouncement. It's an announcement. It's an appeal from God of those who are unreached to be reached Ho is given as a word to exclaim something, not just proclaim something, exclaim something. The word means ho, oh, or oh, or hey, or ha, or alas, or whoa. <laughs> Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> this word ho means like a town crier. Isn't that interesting? Of yesteryear. What did the old town choir do? Choir. A crier do, as he was in the city at night, he'd ring that bell and say, hear ye, hear ye. It's 12 o'clock and all is good, all is right. Hear ye. That's the word ho. You know, it's about time for us to say to somebody we love and care, ho, God loves you. Hey, I got good news to tell you. Jesus Christ loves you. That's what it means. We can do it for all kinds of things. You go somewhere and say, hey, I'm over here. Hey, we're over here. We don't, we're not embarrassed by that. So why are we embarrassed when we should pronounce the truth, the importance of Jesus Christ? Saying to God, soul winner, we're told this morning that we're not alone. We have orders from heaven to go and preach the gospel. I got two more and I'm done. John 3, 6, 17 says this. John, I'm, I'm sorry, 13. Go there. I messed up here. I don't want to mess up. John 3, 17. I promise you this one and one more and we're done. And it's, it's early. Don't worry about it, but trust me, it's early. John 3, 17. If you know these things, happy are ye if you, here's the word, monosyllable word, do them. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You know the most miserable Christians I know today are those that don't do anything for God. It's the truth. I know a lot of people that are saved. They don't look like it. 
I try to, and I'm not picking on the choir, I'm not, but sometimes when the choir's singing, I'll, I'll kind of look over, and they're so intent listening to the song that they're, and I'll, I'll turn around, you probably wonder why I do this, I turn around and go, because you know, it has everything, the, the song has a message to it, but they're so intent looking at the words or concentrating that it makes people think, well, you don't believe what you're singing. Hey, yes, we do. Amen. We, we come around people and our soul winning something like this. Oh, hey, Tom, I got to ask you a question. You're my brother and everything, but you don't want to go to church with me, do you? Well, I wouldn't go with you either. You don't say, you don't want to, you, you wouldn't like to get saved, would you? No, you don't do that. Wouldn't you like to come to our Sunday school campaign? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to believe on the Lord? I'm telling you, the greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I called on Jesus to be my Savior. I mean, sound like you mean it. And for goodness sakes, here's what it is. If you know these things, happy are you that do them. Let's do what we've been told to do. Books and sermons and conferences and seminars and workshops, they're all fine and good. They have their place. Surely they do. To motivate and to encourage the, the, circus, uh, the, the servants of God. Jeremiah and I are going to a meeting this week in, at Brother Mike Poole's church, a pastor's conference, and we'll be there a couple days. I'll be back here Wednesday to preach. But listen, we go there and what do we hear? We hear preaching. We hear preaching to instruct. We hear preaching to inspire. We hear preaching to correct us, to give us a burden for us to get our hearts right. Yeah, preachers need to get their hearts right too. Amen. And those are fine. Teaching and seminars and all that's fine. But I'm telling you what, they don't replace the doing ourselves. Doing what we're told to do. And we're good at making all kinds of plans. And having all kinds of systems. And coming up with good programs. Those things are not bad. But when are we going to do something for Jesus Christ? When are we going to have a campaign that somebody, instead of what they normally do, just, okay, we just went through it, and then, and then okay, we had a Sunday school campaign, big dig of what happened. But if you'd put it, your heart in it, and you do something... You may just see somebody come to Christ. You may just see somebody start coming back to church that was backslid on God. Hey, it's time to do something. Listen, he says to them, if you know these things. Listen, folks, we know so much. We know too much. It's time for us to do something. Amen. Must be a time of actually doing something. Hey, one of these days, this is the attitude we have. Some, one of these, yeah, one of these days, I, I'm going to speak to my brother. One of these days, I'm going to talk to my grandpa. Yeah, one of these days, I intend to do that. I, well, I'm going to go over and talk to my neighbor. One of these days, you better get at it. Just a few weeks back, my neighbor passed away. After being there and trying to talk to them several times, just the doors began to open up a little bit with Jeannie and my wife. While we were away on vacation, she had a massive stroke and died at 55. And I want to tell you something. Every day I look at that house, I pull into my driveway. And I think, oh, I wish we would have, 
I wish we could have reached her. I, I wish. And we tried. We invited. They shut us down. Well, I wish I had another chance. I'm going to tell you something. One of these days, you're going to, you're going to have a loved one. You're going to have a coworker. You're going to have a neighbor. And they're going to go into eternity. And you're going to say to yourself, well, I wish I said something. Hey, it's time to do something. When are we going to do it? My last point. Simple word. Matthew 6. Go there and I'll be done. Matthew 6. Pray for her husband. I'm trying to reach out to him now. He has received a meal and was nice about it. And so I'm trying to bridge that gap. Matthew 6 verse 24. Just two verses. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor uh, yet for the body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than raiment and the body? Is the life more than meat and the body than raiment? The Lord here is speaking to his own disciples. He's asking them a question. No man can serve two masters. See that first word there? No. That's a simple word too. And that's often said by people to us when we do invite them or talk to them about receiving Christ. They'll say, no. I've had a few people lately, I, I tried to present the gospel to them, said, no, I'm not interested. No, I don't want to come. No, it's not for me. That's going to happen. It's a simple word, but it's a sad word when people respond that way toward the gospel, toward grace, toward salvation, toward forgiveness. It's not an easy word to hear when you're trying to reach out to your loved ones, when they say no. Or they say, no, I don't want to hear it. Or no, I, I'm not interested in your God. I'm not interested in your Bible. No, I'm not interested in coming to Sunday school campaign. No. One of these days, those people are going to need God. And we can't, listen, I know because I've been here. You can't get mad at them. You can't get so offended with them. You say, fine, I'll never talk to you about it again. I can't do that. There were times where I'd get so upset with some of my loved ones because of the way they treated me when I tried to give them the gospel. And then God would break my heart and God would speak to me. I couldn't say no to God. I could tell you the time I was so mad at, at situations in my life and I was so mad at what happened in my, in my life that I was angry, and I, I knew it. God knew it. I, somebody had hurt me bad, and I was not going to forgive them. I was right, and they were wrong, and I was never going to forgive them. I remember the day that God broke through. I was, I was cutting my grass, and I was listening to a gospel song. And in my, that gospel song, it talked about if God can forgive them, why can't you? I didn't like it at first. 
I said, God, you don't know what he did. You don't know what... God, of course he knew. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, big boy, you're a preacher. You preach to others. God broke my heart. You know, for a long time, I said, get my lines right. <laughs> I said to God, no, I'll not forgive. There's some of you sitting out there today, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're so offended with somebody, and you keep telling God, no, I won't forgive them. Who are you? Jesus forgave you. But you don't know. Hey, he knows. He knows. We need to humble ourselves and go with tears and a broken heart. There might be somebody that needs Jesus in your life, and you're so mad at them, you don't give them the gospel anymore. Are you going to allow them to go to hell because you've got your rights? Because you're right and they're wrong? Because they hurt your feelings? Hey, we can talk about the lost all day long. They said no. What about you? What about me? We tell God no all the time. No, I won't come forward. No, I won't get right. No, I won't submit. No, I won't give. We say no to God too much. It's a little word, but it's a big word. Don't say no. If there's somebody here today and you're not saved, please don't say no to God about your ever-living soul. Don't say no to God, Christian, about a call to service or getting something right between somebody else. Don't say no. Your preacher preaches on separation and holiness. Don't, don't come out of the gate saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Hey, I got a good idea. Why don't you pray about it? I got a better idea. Why don't you just obey? Hmm. Don't say no to God. Here's one I'd like to see. Don't say no to God about a special call upon your life to serve him for whatever he wants. Well, I, you know, I, I'd love to see a young man or a woman surrender and say, Preacher God, when's the last? God's been dealing with me about the mission field or being a Christian school teacher or being a pastor or being an evangelist or being a missionary or being a Sunday school teacher. Or, or you, don't we quit saying no. It's a little word. It's a big word. No. I want to get back to the gospel and I'm done. These words we looked at today. So, go, to, lo, ho, do, no. Don't say no. We're going to give a gospel invitation. Brother Tom, if you'd come. There might be somebody here you've been witness to before. You've heard the gospel before. Please, dear friend, don't say no to God. You say, well, I wouldn't say no to God. I'm going to tell you, not because it's me. But as I preach his word behind this pulpit, I am speaking for God. And I want you to know God so loved the world. God loves you, friend. And he wants you saved. He wants you to believe on his son to be your savior. We're not talking religion. I don't want you to become a Baptist. I want you to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Don't say no to Jesus. Yeah, but I don't, no, 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 no. Don't do that. 
If you're not saved or you don't know for sure you're saved, come and let us take the Bible. Not the songbook. The Bible. Not, not a book we wrote. The Bible. God's Word. And let us show you. And you call on Jesus to save your soul. And you know, friend, what he'll do? He'll save your soul. I'll never forget the day I got saved. I didn't know what I was doing other than somebody witnessed to me and told me I need to call on Jesus. And that conviction was in my heart. And I asked the Lord, forgive me. Save my soul and change my life. And buddy, it happened. I didn't hear a choir of angels. No symbols, no thunder, no lightning. But in this heart of mine, I knew. I had trusted Jesus with my whole heart and my whole soul. And everything changed. Somebody needs to come today and get saved. Some Christian needs to come and say, I'm tired of telling God no all the time. I'm going to start saying yes. Amen. Let's bow our heads to whatever head bow.